Welcome to the Bridging Connections podcast. This podcast will introduce you to the people who are on the cutting edge of Jewish innovation. You will be hearing from founders and directors of contemporary organizations creating new paths to participate in Jewish life. In this podcast, you will learn about best practices, tips for engagement, and how to create meaningful connections. This is a place that will bridge you to the tools and resources used by the Jewish leaders, visionaries, and innovators that are creating a new sustainable Judaism. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gossage, and I welcome you to come bridge the gap with me. Welcome back to the Bridging Connections podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with Sarit Wisnowski, and she is the founder of Kavod Benichum, and I'm going to let her even translate those words and dive into exactly what that is and what it's all about. But I'd like to start by just asking Sarit about your Jewish journey and what kind of led you to working with Kavod Benichum at this point. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'll read you the translation first. At Kavod is honor and Nichum is comfort. And those are two core tenets of Jewish end-of-life approach to comfort the mourners and to honor the deceased. My Jewish journey, I actually went to a yeshiva growing up, an Orthodox day school, and then I went to a conservative Jewish day school. And I've been incredibly involved in Jewish community, Jewish organizational life as a Jewish professional, and personally, my Jewish community wherever I've lived. And I'm, I'm specifically sharing these points because I thought I had a really good handle on Jewish life ritual, how we honor different moments in our personal lives, on the calendar, what we do, when we do it. And you can imagine my absolute surprise, what I thought was a high level of knowledge when I learned only two years ago in my mid-30s that I really had no idea what Jews do at the end of life. And I'd say my Jewish journey so far had been joyful and interesting and provided depth and context for my life, for my work, and was missing a whole section that I wasn't even aware of. And that really brought me to working with Kavod Benichon. So often we don't know what we don't know until it comes up in our life or in life situations and circumstances that make us aware what we're lacking or what we're missing out on. So I'm going to ask you a sensitive question. Tell me why two years ago this came up for you. So I had worked in different capacities um, as a volunteer, as a professional, and also personally uh, with older people. Though personally, I lived with my grandparents, so I was my grandmother at the end of her life, and I was on my grandparents' bedside when they each died. And I had worked with people who were facing their mortality in different ways for many years and was always really taken with how Jewish community cares for one another and approaching that from a Jewish place. Then about five years ago, I learned about end-of-life doulas. It was a new concept to me, something I had never heard about. Not a Jewish concept per se, but it was a role that I didn't know existed in the world, and I was completely taken with it. The idea, really simplistically for me, was, wow, that means that no one has to be alone at death, and that sounds really incredible, that there's going to be someone who can be there to help guide both the dying and the people caring for the dying to hold space. That is amazing. And 
And I immediately went to a trainer and I trained to become an end of life doula or death doula, as we sometimes call uh, people in these roles. Also soul midwife is another or end of life midwife, a lot of different uh, terms that we use. And the training was incredible. I learned so much. And I also learned that I wasn't ready to become an end of life doula and not where I was in my life professionally at the time. And so I took the training and I kind of went back to my professional career where I was. I was at one table at the time. And very shortly after, it was about a year later, um, the pandemic hit. I also gave birth to my first child. And this kind of confluence of things really began to cause me to be thinking about end of life uh, a lot more. And a lot of things that I had learned kind of started bubbling up and coming to the forefront. And I decided in December 2020 that it was time for me to dive headfirst into uh, into this world. And I did so from the Jewish perspective that I, I bring into my work. And that was really around this question of how do we care for the dying? I was like, oh, I know what we do when somebody dies in Judaism, right? Like I know about uh, Jewish burial and Shiva and how we care. And what do we do when someone is dying? And that was this real curiosity I had. So I created a podcast and a newsletter to begin exploring Jewish um, teachings around dying and death and caring for the community. And along the way, I did some Googling and there weren't so many organizations out there doing Jewish end of life rituals and practices and Kavod Venichum kind of popped up at the top and I started showing up talking virtually with David Zinner, the founder and former executive director of the organization. And in process, we really, we hit it off and we were beginning to think about the future of the organization. David was beginning to think about the future of the organization and we began talking about what it might look like for me to come in as the executive director. So how long has Kavod Venichum been an organization. We're 23 years old this year. It was founded in the year 2000. What struck me, and I'm going to go back to some things you said along this journey, because something struck me. I find it fascinating that the same words we use around the birthing process, doula, midwifery, we're using at the end of life process. And it feels like the perfect close to the start. That stood out to me. I just wanted to mention it. If you want to comment more about that, I just find it fascinating that vocabulary is actually the same and similar. Yeah. It's a really good observation. It's a stunning mirror, right? It's a close to a circle, right? So we meet in the same place, really two sides of the same coin, an inhale and an exhale. I feel like I'm pivoting greatly, but I'm going to leave it at that. Tell me how Kavod Benislam does its work. How do you go about out there and, and help people through these processes? You do it through other organizations. I'll let, I'll let you answer. So the work of Kabod Venusan, we focus primarily on uh, providing resources, training, and education. And we focus on communal organizations called Hevra Kadesha. I did not really understand what a Hevra Kadesha was until a few years ago. It's a part of my learning journey. And now not only do I deeply understand, but I'm part of one and my community here in New Jersey. And the Hevra Kadesha, which we translate as sacred society, also gets translated as as the Holy Society or the Jewish Burial Society, never the secret society. They are the group of people who are the ones to ritually prepare the deceased for burial through two primary rituals, Shmirat and Tahara. Shmirat is the ritual guarding or watching of the deceased, and Tahara is the purification of a deceased person and the dressing of their body and placing them into the casket for burial. So the Chavar Kedisha being these last hands that lovingly care for the deceased people in our lives and in our communities 
Kabovinikum, we work directly with Chavar Kadisha, and they're covered in different communities across the United States. We also work in group, groups in Canada. These are, they exist in every denomination and in communities as non-denominational, as geographic Chavrot. And so we provide resources and support, training, education, community network to different Chavrot. Also, we provide resources to anyone who is looking. We see the people who are engaged in a Chavar Kadisha as the ones who are articulating the understanding. They are stepping into, they are modeling what it looks like to show up for the community in this really transitional, important time and challenging time. We also empower members of the Chavar Kadisha to educate in the community to really lean in and offer deeper connection with Jewish end-of-life rituals and practices because they're already there. They're already showing up. So how might we help to elevate these rituals and practices that provide this much-needed structure, this much-needed framework? Right? When everyone needs a framework, Judaism has this framework. And so we want more people to be engaged with this framework because these rituals and practices can support and sustain us and offer us comfort when there aren't words, right? There just there isn't anything that we can say to make anything better. Can you tell me how this work came about and kind of started and how it's evolved? So the Kabovinichum started from David noticing that there was a lack of connection between the different Chavrot in this country. So essentially, a Chavr Kadisha historically in this country has kind of formed alongside a cemetery, oftentimes a synagogue, in some communities the geographic, so serving uh, whole neighborhoods of people don't exist, don't have a national network. And so often they are in small communities kind of doing their thing and don't have access to shared resources, are not in conversation, are not learning from one another. And there really is a need to be in connection, to be in community, to constantly be learning. And um, a great example is when the pandemic hit, huge questions for, for members of Chavar Kadisha. Um, can we show up? Can we go into the Tahara room to be with a deceased body? How do we do it safely? When can we go back in? What are the alternative rituals? What can we provide for one another? And there was a real need for people to come together to more essentially, and um, having to pause being an active cover condition the way that they had been to think about how to pivot and um, to learn from other groups and then to learn when it would be safe to go back in. And that's just one example of why it would be so important to have a national organization helping to communicate different event changes, conversations, things like that. It's fascinating, and I can think of so many aspects of this work. But I wanted to go back. Now, you started your journey with, you didn't know a lot about these practices in Judaism. So can you give me some ideas of practices you've learned it by this point that our audience may not know about that you think we would find interesting or poignant. So the fact that Judaism has this ritual, that Tahara exists, I think, is just incredibly moving. This idea that we come into this world in water, that we exit in water. The liturgy that is used, intentionality of each step of lovingly washing, ritually purifying, dressing a body to be able to care for someone who no longer can care for themselves is such a holy honor. And to know that it is people who are in our community doing that for someone that we love, what it moves me to my core to think about that, that we can offer that to each other. Absolutely transformative. I think the ritual of Shmirah, of sitting with a deceased person to assist them, to be with them in this space, this in-between time is incredibly poignant. You know, whether you believe in a soul or you know, where the soul is in this journey, to know that we're not leaving someone alone, right? That our bodies 
are holy vessels and that they deserve the care and the respect that we would give each other in our living form to our deceased forms as well. That is, I think, Judaism living a value so deeply in those moments. For me, I see it as the ultimate level of of a mitzvah because it's a mitzvah that you're doing for a person that will never be able to repay you. So the highest level of selflessness, you're doing a mitzvah just for the mitzvah, not for any gains. You won't have any gains, promise, except the personal satisfaction that, that you were there for that body or that you knew that you could be there for that person's family. It's really beautiful and I understand it to be a very high level mitzvah. It's exactly what you, how you described it. It is. And to translate that literally, chesed shall emet is kindness from truth. And I love the hearing of it in English as well, so we can really understand where the Hebrew sayings come from. So what is the vision that Kavod Benichum has for the future? Our vision is a reconnection, a renewal of these Jewish end-of-life rituals and practices, a continuation. In so many ways in this country in particular, and I think globally in many ways as well, we've kind of outsourced end-of-life. Um, we have moved it out of our homes, very similar to birth, from our homes into facility, a different sort. And we've given to strangers, essentially, um, the responsibility and the, the honors of being the last people to be with the people that we love. And this is a reclamation of that to say, you know, I think to this continuation, this circle to end that, say we are we are here, we move our bodies, we show up, we care for one another, just like in life. I think that there's a movement that's coming. I think that we want to be engaged. We are looking for ways to move our bodies, care with our hands, especially in a time when there really isn't much else that we can do. If you think about kind of what we do now, where we show up for Shiva, we make a meal, right? We send up for meal trains. We care in, in those kinds of ways. This is another way. And in so many ways, the depths of that, of those moments is incredible. There's another piece to it too, which is the Chavar Kadisha uh, used to be continuum. So historically, Chavar Kadisha would go from Bikor Cholem, visiting the sick, all the way through into comforting the mourners. So it was everything in between, which included the rituals of Tahara and Shmira, and also boarding the feast in the Casca in the Aron to the cemetery at Levaya to accompany the mourners to help dig the grave, to help maybe give eulogies. They were there for the entire continuum. And if we think about the Chavar Kadisha in this expansive way, there are so many opportunities for our community to engage, to show up. In some communities, in the Chama Committee, uh, the comfort committees, the caring committees, are the people who are helping to set up the shiva house um, to you know bring in the chairs for the seven days of mourning to make sure that there's enough toilet paper, that there's food, that the candles are there, right? Like all of those logistics. What might it look like for everyone to be in conversation together to think about holistically how are we supporting this mourning, this bereaved family, these loved ones through from before death until after and, and beyond, that we don't just drop off people that were really there in whole way for each other. And so I think that part of the vision is to think really expansively. Now, Chavar Kadisha, the sacred society, isn't just about these two rituals. It could be so much more. And there are so many ways into that conversation and into the work and into caring for one another. I have never thought of Chavar Kadisha in that way you described. For me, it's always been exactly as you explained in the beginning, either Hara or Shmira. Although how beautiful it is to have a committee or a community of people 
people that are there from before the death and to comfort both the person that's um, maybe on the death end and their loved ones and carry you through because uh, so much about our Jewish rituals provide that carrying through and holding up and making sure you're not feeling alone. And I love the idea that the Heber Kadisha is much more expansive than what I had always thought it. So explain to me, you said that originally it was like that and, and it kind of went away. And is this some of the work that you're doing to bring that back to make mold the Heber Kadisha into something more expansive? I think in part, uh, some of what we are doing is to continue like to, to expand those edges, right? To think about, because not everyone Tahara washing the body of, of a deceased person is not going to be for everyone. Obviously, it's much deeper than that. We know that not everyone's going to be comfortable in that room, and Shmirah is not going to be the ritual for everyone. I think the question is, right, how might we create a space for everyone within them? And so it might be expansive by thinking about Nifumabilim, about comforting mourners. It might be Bikor Cholim, about visiting the sick. It might also be about sewing the Tafkusim, the burial garment. That's something that we need. It might be about checking in on the families and the loved ones who are bereaved and making a call six months, nine months at the yard site at the year anniversary. There might be ways right within a ritual that we can expand that definition. And there might be ways within Tahara and Shmirah and how Khabra is defined in this country right now. Um, the idea is that there's a place for everyone. Not only do we need everyone to feel like they're part of that, that this is a birthright, that we are here to care for each other. Other, but that also these exist. I think part of it is that we don't all know it exists. If we don't know it exists, we don't know to ask for it or to engage with it. And so this expansiveness is not just for the work of the Harpa. Yes, we want the Harpa to be in it, but we also want people to know that these rituals are there to support and buoy us when there isn't much else. It's a little chicken and egg, right? <laughs> like we need to. <laughs> you used a word that really stood out to me that these rituals are there to buoy us, that there's so much in place in Jewish life in Jewish ritual holds us up when the waters get rough. And also just thinking about there have been so many times when I thought to myself, oh, you know, it's been a couple of months since so-and-so's husband passed away or, you know, someone lost someone. And I've thought to myself, I'd like to reach out to them. I'd like to see that, you know, just let them know that I'm thinking about them. And I've stopped myself from being uncomfortable with it. And I realize now that I can maybe get in touch with the Hebra Kadisha and get some training so that when I do think about doing this, I would have the right words and have the strength in myself to know that I'm doing the right thing just because the Shiva is over, whether it's a couple days or a whole week of Shiva or their Shloshim period is over, those people are still mourning. I love that I could reach out and, and get some learning and hopefully someone's listening today that can also benefit from thinking about reaching out to their logo, Kever Kadisha, and find some learning and find ways that they might get involved that's at their comfort level. I would never dissuade someone from reaching out to their Kheva. Everyone should get to know your people. And I want to share the motto that we often use in Internal to our work, but also in Chabra Kedusha at large, which is we do the best that we can. The goal is never perfection. It just isn't. We show up and we do the best that we can and we do it from an intentional place of love and kindness and honor. And if you bring that kavana, if you bring that intention, it'll always be right. And I want to offer that to you, Elizabeth, and to anyone listening. If you're thinking about someone, if you're thinking about how they're doing and you want to tell them that you're thinking, just tell them that you're thinking about them. Think about the text that you've received. 
how it feels like to know that someone is thinking about you and just sending their care and their love and how that impacts each of us to know that we're, we're being thought of. There's no wrong way to do that. Oftentimes we get tripped up. We, we worry about how someone will receive it, what they're feeling in that moment, what we might cause them. And it's just, I've never received a text like that ever that has caused me any bad feelings, any bad thoughts. Such a comfort to know that we are loved and we are cared for. And if we show up, push ourselves over that hump, the impact that we'll have is just tremendous. Yes, it's a rippling effect. And thank you for sharing that. So please, is there other things about the work that Kavod Benichlum is doing? Kavod Benichlum's work is really for anyone who is interested, curious, looking for support. It's not just for people who have been doing this for a long time, who have the wisdom and the experience. It's for people who want to know more, who are looking to get involved or looking to build, want to just learn the terms and the definitions. We really offer learning across all experience levels. Um, and we also have an incredible network of people. I think at the core, what we're doing is around people and we are threading through Jewish wisdom. So it's one thing we like to talk about is that this is a lot of this. A lot of Jewish under life is minhag, is tradition and not halakha, not law. And so often the, you know, this feeling of the perfection of doing it according to, um, it just doesn't exist. And so we get to really build community. And I feel incredibly fortunate to, to be part of such a caring community. Well, then it's a great segue into my last question on this podcast, which is always the same for all the podcasts. You said you feel fortunate. So please share with me other gratitudes you have today. When we're recording this now, I'm sitting on this um, incredible precipice where we're going to be training, writing some education for a brand new Chabra Kadisha starting up in New York City. And to volunteers that have been working really closely with me for the last six months and helping to design the training and to they're coming in, they're flying in from the West Coast, from Colorado to help teach. And I am so grateful for the wisdom and care and passion for the communities that Kavod Vinichum is a part of and serves. And the fact that we get to be in this together, making sure that there is a constant connection to the Jewish end of life framework and that we are showing up from a place of love. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for all that you've taught us today about Jewish and the end of life rituals and mostly for sharing that there is community when it can be a time for so many people that feels lonely, that there's always someone out there. And to use your motto, there's always someone out there doing the best that they can do. So I love that. And I really appreciate your time today, Siri, and look forward to seeing Kavod and Akun continue and do more great work throughout the country. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridging Connections podcast. This podcast and Bridges 613 will succeed if its social media reach is wide. Please partner with us to promote this important work. You can follow us on Facebook at Bridges613 and visit our website at www.bridges613.org. There you can read blogs, listen to past podcasts, and subscribe to our newsletter. Please share the podcast and our social media links with your community and enable others to benefit and learn about the groundbreaking innovation taking place in our beloved Jewish community.
Your support is greatly appreciated.